You are in the Itori Forest, a dense tropical rainforest along the Congo River Basin in the Democratic Republic of the Congo in Africa. The air is warm and heavy, the humidity hovering around 90%. You hear the droning buzz of cicadas, the occasional whoop of primates, and lyrical songs and calls of tropical birds. The deep umber trunks of massive hardwood trees stretch 170 feet up into a dense emerald canopy above, blocking most of the sun and making it feel more like twilight than mid-morning. In the few patches where the sun makes its way to the forest floor, there is a riotous tangle of vegetation, short, thick stands of nettles, ferns, and palms, draped in creepers and vines. The ground is littered with fallen leaves, nuts, and fruit. Some kind of local wildlife has partially eaten some of these, then casually dropped them to the forest floor to return their nutrients to the soil. In the shadows ahead, you see something different from the relentless stretch of trunks and vegetation. You briefly glimpse what looks to be stripes. As you peer into the shadows, you realize it is a large animal, about the size of a horse, with sturdy, chocolatey brown body and short, dense fur. The back has a gentle slope, and the neck is long and muscular. Large brown ears like an antelope swivel, taking in every sound of the forest. The chestnut coloring of the body and neck continues across the forehead and down the bridge of a deer-like nose, fading on the cheeks to gray and almost white. The head is adorned with two horn-like points several inches tall. However, unlike horns, these are covered in velvety fur. It is the hind legs, though, that truly draw your attention. The back legs have zebra stripes from the knee to the rump, with the same pattern repeated on the forelimb. The tail is about 14 inches long, covered in chestnut brown fur, with a thatch of black hair at the tip like a paintbrush. As you watch, the animal opens its mouth and a long purple tongue stretches toward the branches above, pulling tender leaves down within reach. Chewing calmly, the animal continues on, its stripes fading back into the dense vegetation until all you see are trunks and vines as before. You have just observed one of the most shy and elusive animals of the African rainforest, Okapia johnstoni, the Okapi. Welcome to your new favorite animal podcast, a podcast for people who love learning about the extraordinary animals that we share our big, beautiful planet with. Join me each episode as we take a journey to learn about a new, amazing, and fascinating creature. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Susie, the host of your new favorite animal podcast, and welcome to our very first episode. Today, we are discussing the beautiful and often overlooked cousin of the giraffe, the okapi. We'll discuss their general characteristics, look a little into their evolution and history, and basically cover why the okapi should be your new favorite animal. We'll finish up learning a little bit about the okapi status and ways that you can help with okapi conservation. The okapi truly is a beautiful and unique animal, and I hope that by the end of this episode, it just might become your new favorite animal. So let's get started. As you might have guessed from the introduction, the okapi is native to the Democratic Republic of Congo. They're about the size of a horse, so they're about five feet tall at the shoulder, about six feet tall overall, and eight feet long from nose to tail. They weigh between 400 and 700 pounds. Okapis display sexual dimorphism, which is when the male and the female of a species look distinctly different. In the case of the okapi, the females are larger than the males. So with these numbers, keep in mind that the bigger numbers are generally the females, and the boys tend to be the cuter little guys. Another example of the sexual dimorphism of the okapi is the pointy ossicones that are found on males. The ossicones look a little bit like the horns on a goat, but they're covered in skin. If you have ever seen a deer in velvet, that's a little bit like ossicones are, but it's not branched. It's just a straight little horn. The ossicones are made out of calcified cartilage. They start off as a spongy material when they're young, then harden and fuse to the skull as they age. The ossicones can grow four to six inches tall, and they never fall off. If you've ever seen an adult male okapi, you might notice that the tips of their ossicones look white. That's because over time, the skin actually wears away, exposing just the calcified bone. Females do not have those tall, pointy ossicones, but they can have little whirls of hair or bumpy nubbins in that same area of the skull. The okapi and the giraffe are the only known living animals in the world that have ossicones. Okapis are herbivores, so they eat twigs, buds, fungi, fruit, and other vegetation, but mostly just leaves. They can actually knock back 40 to 65 pounds of vegetation each day. They have also been observed licking up clay, charcoal, and even bat guano in order to get their mineral and salt needs. They're known to eat over 100 species of plants, some of which are actually poisonous. So okapi spend the day wandering around the forest browsing just small bits of lots of different plants so that they never ingest too much of any one toxin. Now, plants are not the easiest thing to live off of. In order to digest all of the tough plant material that they consume, okapis are ruminants. This means that they have a four-chambered stomach. They swallow their food, let it percolate in the stomach a little bit, then regurgitate it and rechew it as cud. After it's swallowed the second time, the plant matter moves into the second, third, and fourth chambers of the stomach, being broken down a little bit more in each chamber before it moves on to the intestines. This allows the okapi to obtain as much nutritional benefit from those plants as possible. 
let's move back to the outside of the okapi. Okapis are visually striking. They really are beautiful animals. They have a rich brown chestnut fur that's sometimes described as having a purple sheen. The fur is very short and dense. It feels like oily velvet. We're going to take a little aside here to give you a peek into why I decided to create this podcast. I was given a chance to pet an okapi my very first week of grad school. We were at the Cincinnati Zoo, and we didn't know which animals we were going to get to see. When I walked into the barn and saw the okapi, I was so excited. I kept my cool until we left the hoofstock barn, at which point I definitely jumped up and down and squealed a little bit. To me, this was the most amazing animal interaction that I had ever experienced, and I could not wait to tell everybody I knew about it. I would tell someone, oh my gosh, I got to pet an okapi, and they would say, what's an okapi? When I learn cool facts about an animal, I want to share it with everybody that I possibly can. So sharing my passion for animals and the awesome scientific facts and weird information about them is what led me to create this podcast, which I hope you will enjoy. And now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. The fur is really oily because it secretes a substance for waterproofing. Living in a rainforest, having a built-in raincoat is probably one of the most helpful adaptations that you could have. The oil is actually colored. It's brown. If you ever see an okapi rubbing their neck against a tree, which is something that they do really often, they leave behind an oily brown stain on the trunk. Now, the zebra-like stripes of the okapi that they have on both of their legs help them to blend in to the dim environment of the forest. The stripes on their back end continue from the knee all the way up to the tail, and they may help baby okapis follow their moms around like a pair of glow-in-the-dark zubas. The tail is about 12 to 17 inches long and has a little black tuft on the end like a paintbrush. But now to one of the most amazing adaptations the okapis have, their tongue. Remember how I said the tail was 12 to 17 inches long? The okapi's tongue can be even longer, a whopping 14 to 18 inches long. It's a gorgeous blue-black color at the tip, which is tapered, and the tongue is prehensile. Basically, the okapi can use their tongue like another hand, thanks to those amazing and complicated muscles it has. They can actually wrap their tongue around branches to pull them down within reach of their mouths. Okapis also use this awesome tongue to groom themselves just like a cat. And with such a long tongue, they can groom places that your cat dreams of being able to reach. Their ears, their eyes, even their nostrils. And if it's cute in a cat, why shouldn't it be cute in an okapi? Okapis have big, beautiful eyes on either side of their head with thick, luscious lashes. And not one, not two, but three eyelids. When most creatures blink, the top and the bottom eyelids meet. But the okapi actually has a third eyelid called a nictitating membrane, 
that moves from the inner corner of the eye towards the outside like a windshield wiper. And here's another cool, crazy fact. If you watch an okapi blinking with their nictitating membrane, it actually appears that they pull their eyes back in the sockets. Seriously, watch a video. It's amazing. You might be wondering what kind of sound the okapi would make. As I was researching for this, I actually found several resources that said okapi are silent, but this is not true. They don't make a lot of sound. After all, being quiet and shy is really helpful when you're trying to avoid being eaten by leopards. But okapi do make sounds. They just don't do it very often. Baby okapi will bleat. Males or females might make a kind of moaning sound during courtship. They can also whistle or snort. One of the most common sounds is the chuff. The chuff is a contact call, kind of like an okapi, hey, I see you, what's up, when they see each other. I really wanted to find recordings of okapi noises, but this is not an easy task. They are apparently the strong silent type. After a lot of research, I did find a recording of the chuff sound that was recorded by the staff of the Tanganyika Wildlife Park. You'll hear some crickets and wind, but if you listen carefully, you'll be able to hear the chuff sound underneath. Even more interesting than the noises that Okapis make are the other noises that we can't hear. If you're an herbivore living in a forest where it's not easy to see your cohorts, but you still want to chat without being overheard by predators, what do you do? Well, the okapi uses infrasonic sound. Infrasonic sounds are sounds that are so low they cannot be heard by the human ear. The okapi's infrasonic calls come in at around 14 hertz. They are such a low frequency that not only can we not hear them, but they go unnoticed by predators. And this might be the most exciting part of the podcast for me. When I was having a hard time finding examples of okapi vocalizations, I reached out to the amazing folks at the Okapi Conservation Project. Their webpage is linked in the show notes and on my blog. They shared with me an old sound file of infrasound from an okapi with the frequency increased in order to make it audible to the human ear. It's amazing and so alien sounding. Enjoy. Infrasonic sound can also travel farther than other types of sound, a must if you want to communicate in a dense rainforest. Okapis are generally solitary animals, so this infrasound allows them to communicate with each other over long distances and through thick brush while still maintaining their personal space. Now for some more fascinating, amazing, and fun facts about the okapi. Okapis have crazy genetics. 
Most mammals have a specific number of chromosomes needed for healthy offspring. For instance, humans have 46 chromosomes. If that number is off, it can result in significant physical or mental problems. Having 47 chromosomes can cause Down syndrome. Having 45 chromosomes is usually lethal. Okapis are similar to humans in that they also have 46 chromosomes. We think. Here's where it gets interesting. Having a missing chromosome has not been found to cause any significant issues in Okapi. In 1991, scientists began documenting the genetic karyotypes for all captive Okapis and found that the population was pretty evenly split between Okapis with 46 or 45 chromosomes. And the animals with either number appeared normal and went on to have genetically viable offspring. A small number were even found to have only 44 chromosomes. The science behind how this is possible is really interesting, but could be an entire podcast by itself. So we're going to keep moving on. If you have had any experience with babies, you are certainly aware that babies poop. A lot. Well, here's another amazing fact about the okapi. Baby okapis do not poop for the first six to eight weeks of life. Baby okapi hunker down in a nest while the mom goes off to forage, returning to feed the baby as needed. Scientists think that the babies do not defecate as a way to keep the nest site harder for predators to find. I doubt the okapi moms are complaining, though. Smell is very important to okapis. They have a special gland on their feet that pushes out a scent-laden, oily substance from between their hooves with each step. Just the act of walking allows okapi to leave a scent message for other okapi. As I mentioned before, okapis are solitary, but their territories often overlap. So these scent markers allow them to send messages about who they are, or maybe even if they're looking for a date. Every footprint is like a Tinder page. This brings us to the history of the okapi. Okapis are currently recognized as members of the family Giraffidae and the only living relatives to the giraffe. Giraffidae were originally a large group with around eight subfamilies, and many of them looked similar to the okapi. Today, however, only the giraffe and the okapi still exist. You might have noticed that I said currently recognized. Like most things in science, it is not black and white, and some scientists think the okapi is more closely related to a species of antelope than the giraffe. For today, though, I will be describing the evolutionary history of the okapi as it's now known in relation to the giraffe. It used to be believed that okapi were more primitive than giraffes. Scientists thought the okapi came first, and the giraffe evolved a longer neck from there. But in a 2015 study titled Fossil Evidence and Stages of Elongation in the Giraffa Camella Pardolis Neck, scientists found a common ancestor of the okapi and the giraffe, known as Canthumerix. It lived about 16 million years ago. It was at this point that the family tree split, with giraffes following their long-necked path and okapis going another, actually developing a neck shorter that was more in line with their forest-loving lifestyle. Now, just like many species that have been described by scientists in areas where colonization took place, you often hear about the discovery of the okapi. 
This is not accurate, as local populations knew about okapis for hundreds of years. As a matter of fact, the word okapi comes from the way the name was pronounced by populations in the Congo region. So while they were well known to local populations, the okapi had not been described by European scientists until 1901. Just imagine that, an animal the size of a horse remaining undescribed by scientists until the 20th century. It really illustrates just how well-suited okapi are to their rainforest habitat. So how are okapi doing today? Let's take a look at their conservation status. While not everyone recognizes how amazing these creatures are, they are well-known at home where they are the national animal of the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Their numbers held steady for most of the 20th century. More recently, though, years of exploitation for bushmeat, political unrest in the region, and habitat destruction have led to drastic drops in population, leading to the okapi becoming added to the IUCN Critically Endangered Species list in 2013. Okapi can only thrive in a very specific habitat in the DRC, so if their rainforests are lost, the okapi will be lost too. So how can everyday people like you or me help okapis on the other side of the world? One way is to recycle your electronics. The areas where okapis live are rich in mineral resources, which are sought after today for use in cell phones, laptops, and tablets. One of these is coltane, which is mined from the forests in the DRC. Recycling your electronics allows these minerals to be reused and hopefully will lead to less mining in the rainforests that the okapi calls home. You can also help by using sustainable palm oil. Palm oil is used in so many common products, from shampoo to ice cream. The wide usage of palm oil has increased the demand and led to huge plantations where rainforests are cut down and replaced with row upon row of palms. These plantations are terrible habitat for any animal, and especially for okapi. You can help okapi and support rainforest conservation by buying fewer products with palm oil or supporting brands that harvest palm oil in a sustainable manner. There are numerous apps where you can scan barcodes to find appropriate products. You can find some of these in the show notes or at my website at https colon slash slash your new favorite animal dot weebly dot com. That's W E E B L Y dot com. And finally, if you are more financially minded or gifted, you can support Okapi Conservation by donating to the Okapi Conservation Project at okapiconservation.org, which is also going to be linked on my website. So now that you've had a chance to learn about their awesome prehensile tongues, cool stripes, crazy genetics, lack of poop but excess of oil, and secret spy communication strategies, is the okapi going to be your new favorite animal? Join me for our next episode, and let's see if I can change your mind again. If you've made it this far, thank you so very much for sticking with me to the end. This podcast is a dream that I've been working on for over a year, and I'm thrilled to finally have it a reality. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on your podcast app. 
If you didn't, let me know how I can improve the listener experience at yournewfavoriteanimal at gmail.com. This is a work in progress, so I would love feedback so that I can make the show even better. Or just send me a message or meme so that I know I'm not rambling into the ether. If you would like to learn more about me or the animals we discuss on the podcast, check out my website at www.yournewfavoriteanimal.weebly.com. Thank you and be kind to each other. Susie out. Your New Favorite Animal podcast was recorded and edited by Susie K. The intro and outro music is Lighthearted Joy by Music Town. Sources used for each episode are listed in the notes and on the website. Thank you again for listening.